We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And away we go, episode 654 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, September 12th, 2023. It was two years ago today that we had the lone regular season game for Ryan Fitzpatrick as a Washington quarterback, a 2016 loss to the Los Angeles Chargers at FedEx Field in week one of the 2021 season. Fitzmagic in the second quarter suffered what turned out to be a season-ending and career-ending right hip subluxation. So much for Ryan Fitzpatrick with Washington and apparently so much for Aaron Rodgers with the New York Jets. We'll see what's determined about his injury, but how about what happened on Monday Night Football? Aaron Rodgers, his first regular season game with the Jets. He is their new QB1. He is their franchise savior. And what happens? He suffers what is feared to be a ruptured Achilles. This happened on the fourth snap of the Jets' first offensive drive. Rodgers lasted for four snaps. That's it. Fitzpatrick at least gave Washington 16 offensive snaps in his lone regular season game with the team. A-Rod, four offensive snaps in potentially his lone regular season game with the Jets. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The Jets did win a 22-16 overtime win over the Buffalo Bills on a walk-off 65-yard punt return for a touchdown. The last time that Washington had a uh, regular season punt return for a touchdown was in October 2016, was by receiver Jamison Crowder. And he now is officially back on Washington's 53-man roster. The Commanders on Monday evening announced the signing of Crowder from their practice squad to the active roster. Also announced having released edge defender William Bradley King from the active roster. Uh, Jamison Crowder just came back to the team last Wednesday, September 6th, when the Commanders announced the signing of Crowder to the practice squad. He was their punt returner in their regular season opening 2016 win over the Arizona Cardinals at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. Well, we on Monday afternoon had the day after the game press conference of Commanders head coach Ron Rivera. Coming up over the next few segments, discussion and analysis of what Ron had to say. Next segment, we focus on the Commanders offense, including Ron's evaluation of how quarterback Sam Howell performed, uh, who was at fault, for the whopping six sacks 
that the commanders allowed and what went wrong for running back Antonio Gibson on his second quarter red zone loss fumble. And then in the following segment, we focus on the commander's defense, including Ron's insights on the great performance by the defense in the win over the Cardinals and the growth of the defensive line, which was so good in that game. Uh, And I have a lot for you on playing time percentages for the commander's defense on Sunday afternoon. Multiple, notable, and surprising realities about who played and for how much. Uh, Additionally, I have a bunch of the uh, pro football focus grades for commander's players for the game for you. Also on the show, we'll talk Nationals and Orioles as both teams won on Monday evening. The Nats won at the Pittsburgh Pirates 6-2 as shortstop C.J. Abrams hit two home runs and starting pitcher Patrick Corbin was great. Yes, I said Patrick Corbin was great. He was two runs in six and two-thirds innings with eight strikeouts versus one walk. Uh, The American League leading O's, they overcame a 5-3 fifth inning deficit in an 11-5 win over the St. Louis Cardinals at Oriole Park at Camden Yards in yet another big game for the O's offensively. The O's lately have been mashing. Uh, They on Monday evening mashed once again. Uh, And we have news on injured Orioles closer Felix Batista. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from Sobo Sports on the commander's win over the Cardinals. Write Sobo Sports. This was their last win this month. Uh, Thank you for that uplifting tweet, Sobo Sports. Well, I hope that the win over the Cardinals was not the Commander's last win this month. That could be the case. Uh, Now, the Commanders only have two games left this month at the Denver Broncos this Sunday afternoon at 425 and then home to the Buffalo Bills on September 24th. Ron Rivera as Washington head coach is 3-1 in Week 1 games, but just 1-5 in games played in Weeks 2-3 and for whatever that is worth. Tweet from Leland Landon. On what I've been saying about uh, not being hung up on how the Commanders beat the Cardinals, i.e. that the Commanders did not blow out the Cardinals. Uh, Because getting caught up in what exactly an NFL team is in week one can be so misleading. September is for stacking wins, survive in advance. October through January is about truly judging who and what a team is. Writes Leland, it's impossible to know what your team is going to be in September, what your team is going to be. Hardly any team plays starters a lot in preseasons anymore, so the first two or three weeks of a regular season have become the new preseason. Navigate the first month and then see where the team is at. Uh, Thank you for the tweet, Leland. Yeah, I mean, I would not go so far as to say that the first few weeks of the regular season are like the preseason, but I get the idea. The goal, of course, is to be great from the get-go, but the truly good coaching staffs in the NFL are the ones that can quickly assess what their teams are once regular seasons begin and then adequately adjust to what the teams are. Email from Thelonious Funk on the Commander's win over the Cardinals, writes Thelonious. Well, a win is a win. Not sure how long Sam Howell is going to last if he has to keep facing barrages like the one that he endured on Sunday. The Washington O-line made Arizona look like the 85 Bears. Then I watched what Dallas did to the Giants on Sunday Night Football and thought to myself, well, it could be worse. Uh, I believe in Coach EB, so I'm sure he'll scheme up something to protect Sam Howell, but you can't make chicken salad from chicken. You know what? You know what I mean. Uh, Thank you for the email, Thelonious. Yeah, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken nuggets. Everyone knows that. Uh, So if you go by the data on Pro Football Reference, which gets its advanced stats from Sport Radar, the commanders in week one had a pressure percentage allowed of 15.4. That as of games through Sunday was the fourth worst pressure percentage allowed in week one. Uh, Pressure percentage allowed is simply times pressured per dropback. Sport Radar had Sam Howell in week one being pressured six times over 39 dropbacks, with the six pressures being the six sacks. Uh, A pressure is a sack, a quarterback hurry, or a quarterback hit. The six sacks were not all on the offensive line. There was a shared responsibility between Sam and the line for the sacks. But yeah, the line in the win over the Cardinals was not good. Six sacks allowed two penalties, uh, which were holding penalties on right tackle Andrew Wiley at left guard Sadiq Charles. And the commanders averaged 
Just 3.12 yards per carry on carries by running backs and receivers. The offensive line, of course, was a part of that. Well, if the law firm of Paulson and Nace was an NFL offensive line, uh, it would be the 1991 Hawks. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. Paulson and Nace will fight for you and your family in a way that no other law firm will. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. Uh, Chris Nace in May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. Uh, this by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Chris in July was elected as the parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice. And both Chris and Matt Nace in August were recognized by Best Lawyers in America for 2024. Why? Well, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandace.com. That's paulsonandace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Ace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Ace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Ace. Well, the Ron Rivera day after the game press conference, it has become a bit of a thing during his time as Washington head coach. We've had some fun with Ron Rivera day after the game press conferences on this podcast. Some of the most significant and memorable things that Ron has said. Uh, some of the most magnificent instances of Ronnie's, uh, what I call the language of Ron Rivera, uh, have been said during these uh, Ron Rivera day after the game press conferences. We on Monday afternoon had the first Ron Rivera day after the game presser of the 2023 regular season. And this press conference was pretty straightforward. Uh, nothing crazy, nothing jarring. Uh, just taking questions from reporters for about 12 and a half minutes of what went down on Sunday afternoon. The commanders beginning their 2023 regular season with a 2016 win over the Arizona Cardinals at a rainy and sold out FedEx field. Uh, we spent a lot of time on Monday's show, episode 653, discussing how quarterback Sam Howell did in the game. He was mixed, and if anything, I would say that the performance leaned more toward bad than good. Uh, the advanced stats for Sam's work in the win over the Cardinals are in. Sam, for the game, had a total QBR per ESPN of 45.5. Uh, that was as of games through Sunday. And Sam, for the game, had an overall grade per pro football focus of 61.4. Both QBR and PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. So a total QBR of 45.5 and an overall grade per PFF of 61.4. Each of those stats would speak to Sam having had a mixed game with the performance leaning more toward bad than good. But what matters more than where Sam is at now is where he's at a month from now, two months from now, three months from now, etc. Uh, Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on what he thought about Sam Howell's performance off watching it on tape. Well, it's one of those things where you're never as bad as you think and never as good as you think. You know, there, there are some really good things that happened. There was some really good rhythm stuff that was on. 
Uh, and then there were some things that that were just kind of like, "Ooh, why'd you do that?" You know. So uh, I know he's uh, he spent uh, spent time this morning looking at the tape, sitting down with Eb and uh, and Tavita and, and and Kenny and going over those those things and just kind of get a little, uh, you know, corrections on those things. And Ron Rivera right there referencing assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, quarterbacks coach. Tavita Pritchard and senior offensive advisor slash game management coach Ken Zampisi, uh, who spent the previous three seasons, 2020 through 2022, as Washington's quarterbacks coach. This was Ron on Monday afternoon on what he especially liked and disliked from Sam Howell in the win over the Cardinals. There, there were some really good things when he went through his, some of his progressions. You could see him uh, getting to his, his second and third read and getting the ball out in a timely fashion. Then there are other times where you saw him get off of one read maybe a little too quick. If he hesitated for a second, he might have seen it and then would have probably gone there. Um, but again, you know, he's, he's learning. He's learning the tempo of, of how to go through progressions, um, you know, which he's good at. And it's just you know, the process now lining up and doing it. Well, certainly something to dislike from what went down with Sam Howell in the win over the Cardinals was him taking six sacks. Uh, The responsibility for the six sacks was on both Sam and the commander's offensive line. If you go back and watch the sacks, this was not a high sack game in which all of the fault was on the quarterback or all of the fault was on the offensive line. You know, we as Washington fans have come to know quite well uh, games in which our quarterbacks get sacked a lot. Uh, Think John Beck in the infamous 23-0 loss to the Buffalo Bills in Toronto on Halloween weekend 2011. Beck in that game got sacked 10 times. Uh, Think Robert Griffin III in the 2014 season. He, over a three-game stretch in November 2014, got sacked a total of 16 times. And then in a game in December 2014, got sacked seven times. Uh, Think Carson Wentz, Commander Carson. (laughs) Uh, He last season in the uh, 24-8 loss to the Philadelphia the Eagles at FedEx Field last September 25th got sacked nine times. We in these parts know all about quarterbacks taking sacks. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on the causes of the six sacks of Sam Howell on Sunday afternoon. You know, there are a couple things that for us, you know, we we missed a protection. You know, we we thought something was going to happen and, and because of that we came off a, a, a switch too soon um, and then we actually had one where we had a, a little foot traffic and one of our guys got tripped up and then a couple times we, we probably should have gotten rid of the ball and, and so it's a combination of things it's all things that are correctable all things that we, we should get better with and uh, we expect to get better with and hopefully the commanders will get better with Uh, The commander's offensive line in the win over the Cardinals absolutely had problems. But you know what's funny? Three of the four highest graded commander's offensive players for the game in terms of overall grades for pro football focus were offensive linemen, (laughs) if you can believe that. Left tackle Charles Leno Jr. for the game was the fourth highest graded commander's player, period, for PFF with an overall grade of 78.2. Right guard Samuel Cosme for the game was the third highest graded commander's offensive player for PFF with an overall grade of 71.1. And right tackle Andrew Wiley for the game was the fourth highest graded commander's offensive player for PFF with an overall grade of 69.9. Now, those are not stellar grades, so this does speak to the offense as a whole. Uh, not being great in the game. But that was surprising, right? Three of the four highest-graded commanders offensive players for the game in terms of overall grades for pro football focus being offensive linemen. Uh, The commander's starting offensive line was Charles Leno Jr. at left tackle, Sadiq Charles at left guard, Nick Gates at center, Samuel Cosme at right guard, Andrew Wiley at right tackle. Each of the commander's starting offensive linemen played on every commander's offensive snap in the game, except for Cosme, uh, who missed three snaps due to being evaluated for a concussion. But back to Sam Howell. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon got asked about the resiliency of Sam, but used the question as a means of addressing Sam taking too many big hits. Take a listen. Well, that's one of the resilience about him. You know, I think it is really kind of um, a little bit of a trademark of his, how tough he is. He is a tough young man. He took a couple of big shots yesterday. And one of the things he's got to learn is you can't leave yourself exposed like he did. And, and, and he'll learn that, and hopefully he'll learn that quickly. 
Yeah, Sam Howell on Sunday afternoon did take some shots, although the biggest shot that he took, the uh, penalized hit from linebacker Kaiser White while scrambling on what officially went down as a sack for a zero-yard loss, that hit was just an unnecessary hit. I don't put that hit on Sam being reckless or anything like that. That was just a nasty and totally out-of-line hit. Uh, As I've said, I really hope that the leash with Sam Howell is long. I have no interest in him being benched for performance really at any point this season. Uh, I want the commanders this season to get a true sense of what they have in him. And doing that requires letting him play and giving him the chance to grow and evolve as the season progresses. But this line of thinking may not be in alignment with Ron Rivera's line of thinking, given uh, that he pretty clearly is coaching for his job. This was Ron on Monday afternoon on striking a balance between trying to win now and trying to be patient with Sam Howell. Well, I think you have to have some patience with him, but, you know, again, in the back of your mind, you always do think about, you know, hey, we've got to do something to win. Um, but I think as you go through it and you progress it and you just know, you know, when, when certain things happen early on, you go, okay, we got it. We're doing it. We just got to get the rhythm going. And, uh, you know, we'll look at it and each game will have its own personality, its own characteristics as to how things flow. Well, something that I was an especially big fan of with the Commanders in their win over the Cardinals was the play calling of Eric Bieniemy. Uh, he was aggressive. He called a lot of passing plays. And me, likey. <laughs> now, I do think that a fair criticism was that Eric uh, perhaps had Sam doing traditional dropbacks a little too much, like some more moving pockets might have been better. But what we saw from this Eric Bieniemy coordinated commander's offense in its regular season debut was a modern offensive approach. Eric called 39 passing plays versus 26 rushing plays. Eric in the first half called 29 passing plays versus just nine rushing plays. And I loved the commanders trying to score late in the first half as opposed to going conservative and just running out the clock of the drive that followed Sam Howell's second quarter sack strip loss fumble that was returned for a touchdown was the commander's seventh offensive drive started at their 19 with just 49 seconds left in the second quarter resulted in kicker Joey Sly's 30-yard field goal as time expired in the second quarter. Sam on the drive, three of six, for 69 yards. Now, he did have a near pick, okay? Uh, But the commanders on that drive were aggressive and they were rewarded for that aggression. Uh, Now, the commanders in the fourth quarter did run the ball quite a bit uh, as they, for most of the fourth quarter, had a lead. And so we, on Monday afternoon, had this exchange between commanders insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times and Ron Rivera. When you went back and looked at it, what did you kind of make of the shift in the fourth quarter to the run game? And is that something that you feel like can maybe prop up the offensive line and Sam as things start to come together here? Um, you know, in, 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 in talking to EB about it, you know, he felt it was an opportunity to grind it out and, and really, like you said, prop the offensive line up, give them a chance to just load up and fire off and see what happens. Um, and it was one of those things, too, that, you know, if you can move the ball successfully in those situations and control the clock, you know, you, you increase your opportunities to win in, in, in certain situations. And I think that's some of the thinking that goes into it. So the basic offensive philosophy in today's NFL is you pass to get the lead, you run to preserve the lead. Now, nothing is absolute. There are plenty of variations of this. But generally speaking, in today's NFL, you pass to get the lead, you run to preserve the lead. And that is what the commanders did on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Of course, a negative with the commander's running game on Sunday afternoon was running back Antonio Gibson's lost fumble, a red zone lost fumble. Second quarter, commander's up 7-6 on a first and 10 for the commanders at the Cardinals 19. Gibson had a lost fumble on a three-yard shotgun handoff run up the middle as the ball was punched out by edge defender Victor Dimokeji. Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon on the Antonio Gibson lost fumble. I was disappointed because he had, he had made a good cut, and it was a player coming in from, in from behind. He just made contact with the, with a linebacker, and as he was coming in, the guy from the backside got it. He's just got to remember, just like he learned last year, was he's just got to keep that ball high and tight. He can't let it drop down. You know, when he's trying to get those extra yards. He's got to protect the ball and you know and, and lock that second arm onto the uh, onto the uh, onto the ball. 
So in fairness to Antonio Gibson, if you go by the data on NFL.com, he had just two fumbles in his 2020 rookie regular season and had just one fumble in his 2022 regular season. It was the 2021 regular season in which Gibson's fumbling was a problem. He led all running backs in the NFL in fumbles with six. Uh, Hopefully this season is not back to having a fumbling problem. And hopefully you are happy with what you're paying for home and auto insurance. But if you're not, you're not alone. You know, we right now are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. Do yourself a favor, get with BMC insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens, of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive. Rates. What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. Uh, BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. Uh, And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And Perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, And BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Time now to talk Commander's defense off head coach Rod Rivera's day after the game press conference on Monday afternoon off the team's regular season opening 2016 win over the Arizona Cardinals at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. As we discussed on Monday's show, episode 653, the Commander's defense in this game was great. Uh, this was Ron on Monday afternoon on what he thought about the defense's performance off watching it on tape. I thought as a unit, they played extremely well. Um, I think Jack and, and, and the staff had a, had a real good plan going in, and, um, and we were able to execute it. Um, you know, I, I thought the D-line uh, really controlled the pace and tempo at times and, and were able to make plays when we needed. it. Um, it was one of those things that as soon as it started, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those things that, that you really felt good about. Um, couple of young guys made a couple of mistakes that, that cost us a little bit. Uh, they've they've got to, you know, continue to learn and grow fast and, and, and assimilate to, to how we do things. It's, it, it, was a, it was really a, a very good day for those guys and, and could have been an even better day, as Jack said. Um, you know, in, in our meetings this morning, Jack was, Jack was really honest and upfront and upbeat. Um, but it's one of those things that, you know, he expects even more. I mean, that's the crazy part, but that's the good part. And defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, a recipient of a game ball from Ron Rivera in the Commander's locker room on Sunday afternoon. Among the many good stats for the Commander's defense in the win over the Cardinals was the Commander's holding the Cardinals to just 4 of 14 on third downs. As the Commander's third down defense picked up right where it left off, the Commanders for the 2022 regular season were number one in the NFL at lowest opponents, third down efficiency at 31.9%. Washington, for the 2021 regular season, it was number 31 out of 32 NFL teams in lowest opponents, third down efficiency at 48.5%. Quite the turnaround. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on Washington being so much better on third down defense since being so bad on third down defense in the 2021 season. 
Well, I think a lot of it just has been how everything has kind of come together more than anything else. I, I think the, the biggest thing that, that's been good to watch really has, has, has the development and growth of, of the pass rush, how those guys are in sync, how they work together. Um, and how it also fits with the, with the coverages. You know, Jack tries to, you know, work his calls based on down and distance situations, personnel and groupings, and then the anticipation of, of what he's expecting on those downs. So it's, um, I think they've done a really nice job. A lot of it has to do, I think, also with just the fact that they've grown into it. Um, you know, this is the fourth year in this, in this system with Jack, and I think the guys have really grasped the, uh, the, the, um, the, the ideas behind what he wants to do to, you know, to, to utilize them at the right moments. And of course, a big part of the commander's defense is the team's a top three defensive lineman, edge defender Montez Sweat and interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, all three in the win over the Cardinals were so good. Uh, Montez Sweat finished the game with one and a half sacks, a quarterback hit, two tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles. He, for the game, was the second highest graded commander's player for pro football focus with an overall grade of 86.4. John Allen finished the game with a sack, three quarterback hits, and two tackles for loss. He, for the game, was the highest graded commander's player per pro football focus with an overall grade of 90.2. And John, for week one through games on Sunday, was number one among all qualified NFL defensive tackles in pass rush win rate per ESPN and the NFL's next-gen stats. And he did all of this in playing on a sky-high 92% of the commander's defensive snaps on Sunday afternoon. A defensive lineman, an interior defensive lineman, playing on 92% of an NFL team's defensive snaps in a game is uh, quite impressive. Uh, and Deron Payne, he finished the game with two tackles for loss and a fumble recovery. Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon on the growth of John Allen and Deron Payne. I think they've grown an awful lot. I mean, if, if you look at, you know, get a chance to go back and watch Jonathan on tape, which I know some of you guys you guys do because you guys get the all-53s and, you know, all those, those kind of things I guess you can watch, 22s. Okay, I thought it was all 50. You can watch the whole team. Um, yeah, but you guys get you guys get those. You can see the whole thing. I mean, you can see the growth in, in, in their, both their games just by the different techniques that they're using now. I mean, if you go back and watch them from a couple of years ago and then watch them today, you go, wow. I mean, this, this has been really impressive, and, and, and a lot of it has been the work that, um, that they've put in. Um, a lot of it has to do with, with what, um, you know, with, uh, what Jeff has done with them and, and, and Ryan. Um, it's really kind of cool to watch that tandem of coaches we have at that position because both those guys are, are relying on their experiences of having played in the NFL, and the players really gravitate to both of them. Yeah, all 53s, all 22s, same thing. Maybe Ron was thinking about the B-52s, and he said all 53s because he wanted to say all 22s, but he had 52 in his mind. I don't know. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were wondering if Washington, having spent all of these first-round picks on defensive linemen, was a big waste. Uh, Washington, in each of four consecutive NFL drafts, 2017 through 2020, spent a first-round pick on a defensive lineman. Well, it took a while. But those picks, at least the first three, are paying off. 2017, John Allen. 2018, Deron Payne. 2019, Montez Sweat. Uh, what about the Associated Press Defensive Rookie of the Year for the 2020 season? Edge defender Chase Young, he for the win over the Cardinals, inactive due to the neck injury that he suffered in the Commander's preseason opening, 17-15 win at the Cleveland Browns on August 11th. You know, there in recent days has been a lot of anger <laughs> directed at Chase from fans of the team. I get that feeling. I do. I mean, Chase Young now has missed 23 of Washington's last 26 regular season games. 23 out of 26. But it's not his fault <laughs> that he has been injured, okay? I mean, you could be mad at Chase for some things, but him getting injured has not been his fault. Uh, what this latest injury initially was called, a stinger, clearly was not the case. Uh, this is more than just a stinger. The team not being more upfront about his injury has done Chase no favors. Uh, Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon did give us a brief Chase Young update. Uh, here you go. He will just continue to do what the doctor's asking of him. 
Um, you know, the biggest thing is we're, we're going to introduce him into full contact. Uh, it'll be an opportunity to, to, to go out and see where he is, and uh, so we'll go from there. All right, so the Chase Young dance continues. Uh, well, Chase Young being inactive on Sunday afternoon, and also edge defender F.A. Obata being on the reserve injured list meant that we had a rotation of edge guys for the commanders in the win over the Cardinals. So Montez Sweat played on 82% of the commander's defensive snaps. James Smith-Williams played on 68% of the commander's defensive snaps. He, for the game, was the third highest graded commander's player per pro football focus with an overall grade of 79. Uh, Casey Tuhill played on 47% of the commander's defensive snaps. Andre Jones Jr. played on 6% of the commander's defensive snaps. Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon on how he felt the rotation of edge defenders went. Oh, I thought it went really well. I, I, I thought, um, you know, the veteran guys that got their opportunities, James Smith-Williams was, was solid, very stout at the point. He held the point very nicely. Um, for the most part, he was able to um, uh, contain the quarterback on some of the play-action boots. Uh, he was very disciplined and got vertical and, and forced the ball to the quarterback's hands a couple of times. Casey came in and, and, and was his usual very, very steady self. Um, he, again, set very good edges, kept the ball inside of him. Uh, on the pass rush, he was able to, to you know, stay disciplined, keep the edge up, force the, uh, the quarterback to step up. And, and so you know, they picked up right where they left off as a group, and, and that was really ne- nice to see. I mean, I thought both those veteran guys really handled it well. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's just the tandem of guys that, you know, that we have that we'll continue to use. Two Casey Two-Hill snaps that stood out to me on Sunday afternoon. The Cardinals' third offensive drive started at the Commanders' 37. This was the drive that immediately followed quarterback Sam Howell's early second quarter interception to edge defender Zayvon Collins, but the drive resulted in kicker Matt Prater's early second quarter 54-yard field goal as opposed to a touchdown. Uh, the second snap of the drive on a second and six for the Cardinals at the Commanders' 33, Casey Tuhill and Deron Payne tackled running back Keontae Ingram for a three-yard loss on an under-center handoff run. The Cardinals' fifth offensive drive resulted in a late second-quarter punt. The sixth snap of that drive, third and ten for the Cardinals at their 39. Casey Tuhill drew a 10-yard offensive holding penalty by left tackle DJ Humphreys. Uh, the commander's secondary in the win over the Cardinals featured four guys each playing on 100% of the commander's defensive snaps. Uh, those four guys, corners Benjamin St. Juice and Kendall Fuller and safeties Cameron Curl and Derek Forrest. The man who the commanders took with the number 16 overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr., uh, he played on 65% of the commander's defensive snaps. Additionally, the man who the commanders took in the second round of the 2023 draft, defensive back Quan Martin, he did not play on any of the commander's defensive snaps, although that may not have been the plan. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon revealed that Quan is in concussion protocol. But this was Ron on Monday afternoon on why Emmanuel Forbes on Sunday afternoon played on just 65% of the commander's defensive snaps. Well, it's the personnel groupings more than it is about a rotation. And so certain groupings will have certain DBs in it. Um, it's one of those things to do at the same time is that, you know, with, with the way Kendall played yesterday, the way Benjamin played yesterday, you feel really good about those two veteran guys. Um, so right now there's, there's, there's not really a need or a push to, to say, okay, you're, you're going to play every down. So we can, we can insert Emmanuel and, and, and get him comfortable and let him get out and kind of refocus, reset, get back out. Not that he needs to. He could probably you know stay out there all the time. But this is about personnel groupings and the way we use those groupings. It, it's the same thing when we have some defenses where we only have one linebacker in there. And speaking of commander's linebackers, the team in the win over the Cardinals played just two linebackers on defense. Cody Barton, and Jamin Davis. And very interestingly, it was Cody who played a lot more. Cody Barton played on 100% of the commander's defensive snaps. Jamin Davis played on 65% of the commander's defensive snaps. Uh, the presumption had been that the uh, commander's linebacker hierarchy was Jamin Davis number one and Cody Barton number two. That, at the very least, was not the case for this game. Uh, we'll be interesting to see if this was just a uh, game plan specific thing or if 
this is a thing, that the team has Cody ahead of Jamin. Well, ahead of all other fantasy sports apps and sites is Underdog Fantasy. Uh, I'm proud to be partnering with Underdog Fantasy uh, for this season and making fantasy football picks for Commander's games in terms of Underdog Fantasy's higher, lower totals. Uh, Underdog Fantasy is great. It is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Uh, Underdog Fantasy offers pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. Uh, And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. Look, we all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra-time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption, but keeps the fun and the potential to win money. And Underdog Fantasy is offering something special for listeners of this podcast. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free, free money. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which Underdog Fantasy operates. A term supply concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call one 877 Eight Hope NY, and in Tennessee, call 1 800 889 Well, leading the way when it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater is the Game Time app. If you are looking for great deals on tickets to Commander's Games, make sure that you download the Game Time app and use the promo code ALGALDI. Game Time offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee. So you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, I was just on Game Time looking at tickets for Commander's Games in the 2023 regular season. A lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting super easy. Game Time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. Game Time is the app for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game Time also offers flash deals on tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use this promo code, Al Galdi. You use that promo code Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the Game Time app, create that account, and use the promo code Al Galdi for $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's game time. <laughs> download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. What has always mattered the most for the rebuilding Nationals this season is that their players who are potential building blocks do well. Uh, This season for the Nats, as fun as it has been at times, has never truly been about wins and losses. This season has been about younger players doing well. The truth is that the results for the Nats' potential building blocks this season have been mixed, but there have been positives. And one of the positives in the second half of the Nats' regular season has been shortstop C.J. Abrams. 
And he on Monday evening had a really nice game in what was a Nats win, a 6-2 win for the Nats for the boys uh, at the Pittsburgh Pirates in game one of a four-game series. Just the Nats' fourth win over their last 14 games. I'm proud of the boys. Yes, that's right. Nats manager, Davey Martinez, the boys. Uh, they, for this regular season now, are 65-79. and 79, uh, Third worst record in the National League, but just a game worse than the Pirates, who now are 66-78. and 78. The Nats on Monday evening scored six runs on nine hits and two walks, went two for four with runners in scoring position. Five of the Nats' hits were extra base hits, three home runs and two doubles, and two of the home runs came from C.J. Abrams. He is the Nats' starting shortstop and number one batter, went two for four with a two-run homer and a solo homer. Uh, Abrams in the Nats' two-run third had a two-run homer on a bomb to right field for a 2-0 Nats lead. The homer winner projected 417 feet per stat cast, and Abrams in the Nats' one-run seventh had a one-out full count solo homer to right field for a 6-1 Nats lead despite having been down in the count at 1.12. C.J. Abrams had a great July, then a bad August, but he's having an excellent September. Abrams so far in this month of September, eight for 26 with four home runs, a triple, three singles, and five walks. Outstanding. Uh, he, for this regular season, is number two on the Nats in home runs with 18 and is number two among qualified Nats players in OPS at 733. Here was Davey Martinez during his postgame session with reporters on Monday night on the power of C.J. Abrams. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Nats insider Bobby Blanco of MassInSports.com. If you watch him take batting practice, it's in there. It's in there. You know, now now it's transforming in the game. Reason being, like I said, he's getting himself a chance to, to, to hit every pitch hard. Um, you know, now, you know, I always said, you know, when he really learns how to uh, shrink the strike zone, he's going to be an, he's going to be an all star. He's going to be I mean, he's going to be something else. So um, um, he's done well. David, how much have you seen from a maturity standpoint from him this year? Him, like last week, coming to you and saying, I need a day off and getting the day off yesterday, you know, not risking the ankle and now being able to, or the name, be able to finish the season strong. Just have you seen him mature off the field? Yeah, he's been, he's been, he's been awesome. And I, I think a lot of it, um, it was was when I gave him the responsibility to lead off and we talked about that, right? I mean, that's, that was, that was big for him. And, um, I just asked him if he, if he thinks he could do it, and he said, yeah, and, and he's done it. So, you know, I'm proud of the way he goes about his business. His routine has been way better. Um, so, you know, he's getting himself ready to play every day. He's taking care of his body, and, uh, and you see what's, what, what the difference that makes. Yes, you do. Uh, also homering for the Nats on Monday evening was Dominic Smith. Uh, he is the Nats starting first baseman and number five batter, went two for four with a solo homer and a double. Uh, Smith in the Nats, one run six, had a one-out solo homer to center field on a 1-2 pitch for a 5-1 Nats lead. The homer went a projected 423 feet per stat cast. This was some shot by Dominic Smith. A bomb by Dom. Uh, uh, and Smith in the top of the eighth had a one-out double off the right center field wall. He hit for some power in this game, uh, although... Uh, he was thrown out in his attempt to stretch the double into a triple. Uh, speaking of getting thrown out off getting a hit, uh, K. Bert Ruiz, he this season has had a penchant for that. And it happened again on Monday evening. Uh, K. Baird, as the Nats starting catcher and number three batter, two for four with a double and a single. Had a two-hit game, so I do want to salute him for that. K. Baird in an Nats two-run fourth, a leadoff first pitch double to the right center field gap. And K. Baird in the top of the fifth had a two-out single down the right field line on a one-two pitch. But he then was thrown out in retreating back to first base off having considered going for a double. He got stuck in uh, no man's land between first base and second base. I don't know why this keeps happening with Cabot Ruiz, him getting thrown out of the base paths in trying to stretch singles into doubles. I mean, the guy is a catcher, okay? Catchers usually, uh, A, are not fast and aren't trying to make hay on the base pass in terms of being super aggressive, and B, catchers usually have really high baseball IQs. I think Cabot Ruiz has a high baseball IQ, but man, this does keep happening, him getting thrown out on the base paths. But again, he did have a two-hit game. Capert Ruiz for this regular season is number four among qualified Nats players in OPS 
at 722. Also with a two-hit game for the Nats on Monday evening was Ildemaro Vargas. Uh, he is the Nats starting third baseman and number seven batter, two for three with two singles and a walk. The Nats starting pitcher for this 6-2 win at the Pirates on Monday evening was Patrick Corbin. Uh, he was coming off a terrible outing, the 11-5 loss to the New York Mets at Nationals Park last Tuesday night, September 5th. Corbin in that game was a disaster. He allowed eight runs in four innings. He is having a fourth consecutive bad season in what is the fifth season of a six-year 100 $40 million contract that the Nats signed him to as a free agent in December 2018. But he this season has eaten up innings for the Nats, and he at times has been good. And he in this win at the Pirates on Monday evening was great. Now, the Pirates are one of the worst hitting teams in the majors, but Corbin on Monday evening allowed two runs in six and two-thirds innings with eight strikeouts versus one walk. Who says that he's not worthy of the contract? Uh, uh, Corbin gave up just five hits, two doubles, and three singles. He issued a wild pitch. He threw 98 pitches, 59 strikes versus 39 balls. Uh, Patrick Corbin now for this regular season at 29 starts, an ERA of 513. Not good. Not good at all. But he is by far number one on the Nats in innings pitched at 165. Uh, good game for the Nats bullpen. Two Nats relievers combined for two and a third scoreless innings. Jordan Weems tossed one and a third scoreless innings, and Jose A. Ferrer tossed a scoreless bottom of the ninth. Game two for the Nats at the Pirates, Tuesday evening at 635. Joanna Doan will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, if you are a combo Commanders-Orioles fan, and I know that many of you are, uh, you have had quite a last few days against teams with the name of Cardinals. Uh, The Manders, of course, beat the Arizona Cardinals 2016 at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. And the O's, they ripped the St. Louis Cardinals 11-5 at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Monday evening in game one of a three-game series for the O's eighth win in nine games as, yes, the O's, Joe Angel, again, were in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. That's right, Joe, the win column. Uh, Now, the Tampa Bay Rays on Monday night did win a 7-4 win at the Minnesota Twins. So the O's for this 2023 regular season now are an American League best 91-52, and still three games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. But the O's now have an elimination number, a magic number of 16 to clinch the American League East. And oh, is that uh, word magic appropriate? Because we on Monday evening had more Orioles magic. Uh, They, in this 11-5 win over the Cardinals, overcame a 5-3 fifth inning deficit. The O scored eight runs from the fifth through eighth innings. And yes, I did say Orioles magic. Uh, Thank you very much for that. Orioles magic. The O's on Monday evening had yet another great offensive game. Boy, have the O's been hitting well lately. Uh, They, in this 11-5 win over the Cardinals, scored 11 runs, totaled 13 hits, worked seven walks, and went five for 11 with runners in scoring position. Cedric Mullins, he on Monday evening, as the Orioles starting center fielder and number six batter, went two for three with a grand slam, a single, and a walk. A Mullins and an Orioles, a five-run fifth, had a one-out grand slam to right field on a 1-2 pitch for an 8-5 Orioles lead. You know, Cedric Mullins has had an injury-plagued season, but he, for this regular season, does have an OPS of 780. He has been productive when he has played 
And Gunnar Henderson, he on Monday evening continued his uh, American League Rookie of the Year campaign. Uh, He is the Orioles starting shortstop and number two batter, went three for five with a solo homer and two singles. He hit an Orioles one run six, had a one out solo homer to right field for a 9-5 Orioles lead. The homer went a projected 422 feet per stat cast. Gunnar Henderson for this regular season is number two on the O's in home runs with 25 and now is in a virtual tie with right fielder Anthony Santander for number one among all qualified Orioles players in OPS at 820. Uh, the O's beat the Cardinals 11-5 on Monday evening despite a bad outing for starting pitcher Dean Kramer. Uh, he allowed five runs in four and a third innings. He gave up seven hits, a double, and six singles. He issued four walks and a wild pitch. He recorded just two strikeouts. Uh, he threw 88 pitches, 56 strikes versus 32 balls. Uh, here was O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Monday night on Dean Kramer. It's not aggressive enough for me in the strike zone. Um, you know, four walks, that's not, that's not him. And I thought there were some yank misses. And um, I just didn't think he was aggressive enough tonight. He did compete, went into the fifth. Thought, uh, um, thought his stuff was good. And just uh, not enough strikes. You know, Dean Kramer had been pitching really well, but his last few starts now have been spotty. The 5-4-10 inning win at the Los Angeles Angels late night last Tuesday night, September 5th. Kramer in that game, four and two-thirds scoreless innings with five strikeouts, but he gave up four hits, a double, and three singles, and he issued three walks, and he, over his four and two-thirds scoreless innings, threw a whopping 92 pitches. But the Orioles' bullpen in this 11-5 win over the Cardinals on Monday evening came through. Five Orioles relievers combined for four and two-thirds scoreless innings. Uh, D.L. Hall officially tossed one and a third scoreless innings, although he did allow an inherited runner to score on an RBI single. Uh, Jacob Webb faced five batters and got three outs. He did commit a throwing error. Uh, Jorge Lopez faced three batters and got two outs. Danny Coulomb faced three batters and got two outs, and Shintaro Fujinami tossed a scoreless top of the ninth despite giving up a two-out single and then issuing a two-out walk. So Orioles relievers did put guys on base, but again, five Orioles relievers combined for four and two-thirds scoreless innings. But the big news with the Orioles bullpen on Monday had to do with a guy not currently in the bullpen. Uh, Orioles Executive Vice President and General Manager Mike Elias, in a session with reporters on Monday afternoon, said that the Orioles' ace reliever, Felix Batista, has a partial tear of his right UCL, but could pitch again this season. Uh, The O's on August 26th announced that they had placed Batista on the 15-day injured list with a right UCL injury. This was devastating news. The UCL in the right elbow, the ligament on which a pitcher would undergo Tommy John surgery. But now there is at least the possibility of Batista pitching again this season. Now, take a listen to Mike Elias. You tell me how likely do you think that it is that Batista will pitch again this season. I'm not supremely optimistic, but here's some of what Elias had to say. We, we solicited uh, a lot of opinions and, and formulated a plan. And at this point, the calendar kind of affords us an opportunity to take a conservative approach and allow him to throw right now and uh, kind of see where that goes and uh, how that takes us. And that's, that's going to be sort of a day-by-day uh, situation, but he is throwing right now. Um, you know, I don't have uh, any knowledge about where exactly this is leading, other than we we can um, you know take this time right now to take that conservative approach and allow him to throw. You know, at some point, um, this may be a situation that uh, he and us are going to want to look at from a little bit more permanent um, and a, a a little bit more. Uh, um, comprehensive standpoint in terms of uh, the right move for the rest of his career, but at this point in time, um, you know we're we're uh, using the what the calendar affords us in terms of some cushion to give this a conservative approach and see where we're at before the season's over. All right, again, I'm not that optimistic about Felix Batista pitching again this season, but there is a chance. Okay, there is a chance. Um, you know, is he ultimately going to need Tommy John surgery? It feels like the answer to that is yes, but nothing is certain right now. And I guess you could look at it like this. Just there being the possibility 
of Batista pitching again this season is something, does offer us some kind of hope uh, with the O's. This is the big question, though, for the O's regarding the postseason. Can their bullpen be good enough without Batista? Uh, There is just no way of knowing the answer (laughs) to that right now, but that is something to be thinking about if you are an Orioles fan. And by the way, while we are discussing Orioles pitchers and elbow injuries, game two for the O's against the Cardinals, Tuesday evening at 635, John Means will be the Orioles starting pitcher in his return from Tommy John's surgery that he underwent on his left elbow all the way back on April 27th, 2022. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday's show, episode 655, will include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Tuesday evening at 635 of game two of a four-game series at the Pittsburgh Pirates. The O's on Tuesday evening at 635 of game two of a three-game series against the St. Louis Cardinals at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. If you look at, you know, get a chance to go back and watch Jonathan on tape, which I know some of you guys you guys do because you guys get the all 53s and, you know, all those those kind of things I guess you can watch, 22s. Okay, I thought it was all 53s. You can watch the whole team. Um, yeah, but... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.